6917. You know there are other numbers than that, but it's okay. You, you I know there are, but the entire point is to get to those numbers. Fair, fair. Hey, all you crazy <laughs> sci-fi and fantasy fans, it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, space is the place, and pizza does not belong in yes, the same does. oven as pineapples. Yes, it does. Heresy. But we'll, we'll argue that one later. Go ahead. You know what's really good? The Papa John's Baconator pizza, which has three kinds of bacon and pineapple. You had me right up until the pineapple, but the Baconator pizza is good. They went downhill since the uh, the coup, though. Their quality has suffered a little bit. Not mine. Well, the local one has. They used to have fresher ingredients. Now it's not eh, not as good as it used to be, shall we say. No. Mine is perfectly fine. I don't know what's wrong with yours. But Little Caesars is still, well, it used to be $5 fast. And now it's like $6 for the fast. But it's, it's quick. You don't have to wait. So that's there's that. It's toxic. Probably. <laughs> but what isn't these days? So no, like, you the, the only time I ever got food poisoning from pizza was at Little Caesars. Oh, for me, it would have probably been when I went to, uh, uh, what is that? Papa, no, not Papa John's. CC's. The, uh, the all-you-can-eat pizza party. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And when you used to go in there when they first opened, it was welcome to CC's, and they did it with that fake Italian accent. Walt yeah. is Grandpa Walt is probably rolling over in his grave right now. Yeah. Grandpa Walt probably enjoyed this the fake Italian accent. Maybe, maybe. All right. So, do you have an opinion on the sacred pizza, Mister Boop? Oh, I'm all for pineapple. Um, you know, that's not a problem with me. If you, it, you know, my mom. Uh, did hams with with slices of pineapple on it so for me that's just another platform in which to deliver ham and pineapple goodness to me see doc are you pre-screening our guests now is that what's going on no i, I honestly i didn't know anything about the pineapple and ham thing my no. family doesn't make ham like that hmm. we do country ham which is a salt cured ham mm. maybe why i'm so we salty now we always did the maple glaze. Mm. You've never had yeah, maple no. glazed ham? Right. I don't know. We're going to have to Maybe broaden the horizons. All right. So, David, Mr. David Boop, you've been talking for a few minutes with us, but we forgot <laughs> to introduce you because we've been rude. I blame Seska, as I always do, but can you introduce yourself to the listeners or our viewers? <laughs> yes, I'd be glad to. Hi, my name is David Boop. I'm a Denver-based author and editor. Um, I have, uh, like four, five, six anthologies out, uh, one, uh, one novel, a couple of novellas and about 60 pieces of short fiction, all in the speculative, uh, genre. Yay! And ladies, he enjoys long walks on the beach, popping the collar with flair. Not in Colorado. They don't have beaches there. Oh, of course we do. We have very large lakes with beaches. There you go. Oh, I knew fair. that. No, you didn't. Sure, I did. You brain-damaged person. Just go with it, Doc. All right. So the next part of that introduction, dear listener, is we tell you how we first found them. So this is another one of those interviews because Doc's taking over doing some of the booking where I got a, you'll be here or I'll stab you. So here I am. But Doc. <laughs> I don't ever threaten to stab you. Just cut you off. 
All right. On that happy note, Doc, how did you find uh, Mr. <laughs> David Boop? Um, I think we met in the Bane Barfly back ages ago. I think actually before I was even a track director with Dragon Con. And um, it was either at Dragon Cons or Liberty Cons. And um, we just kind of hit it off and talked. Because David's an awesome guy and um, I, I can talk. <laughs> I would have never guessed. And I, found, and I found Siska delightful. See? <laughs> Some people like me. Yeah. Um, it would probably have been my first Dragon Con where I came uh, to work uh, Kevin J. Anderson's uh, Wordfire booth. And he took me up to the Bane Bar there. That would be most likely where it was. Probably. I think it was yeah. the same night you met Mel Todd, who uh, is a big fan. Mm -hmm we've had on numerous times because I'm a big fan of Mel's. I am a big fan of Mel's as well. So. All right. So uh, is the Baines bar actually a bar or do they just call it that? Well, it, there's an online forum called Baines bar. And then at some of the conventions, a group of fans and people loosely associated with Bane will kind of set up a hangout. And uh, and there is booze involved. That's normally yeah. where I've been tending bar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was. Good. Yeah, Bane's bar flies. It was for a while, and then became Speakers Speakeasy, and and uh, you know now it's uh, kind of retired. So. I've actually met Speaker. Interesting fella. Oh, great fella! Yeah. He was giving a uh, one of the few cons I went to bef before my doctor said enough. You can't take that much of your meds at once. Uh, and he was doing a science talk, and someone asked him some question. Was part of that, you know, deep conspiracy, where everybody uh, is convinced that science is out doing evil things to experiment on people. And he just looked at her and smiled. He goes, "That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works." <laughs> Sounds like him. And then he proceeded to explain to her in, in mostly nice words that I wouldn't have been as nice to her as given how rude she was, uh, something to the effect of lawyers are real. Lawyers don't uh, bow down before scientists, so they have to behave because they want to keep their cars. So anyway, he was, like I said, he was nicer than I would have been. It was an interesting first meeting. See, I'm like the horrible person who I just started telling people when they knocked on my door in the barracks, yep, you're dying of cancer and then closing the door on them. They just want to know where that rash was coming from, Doc, and you just had no heart. Not when they cough on my face. Maybe that like, was just their way of bonding with you. Yeah. She's not irrational. <laughs> All right, Doc. We got to ask him the religion questions. He already failed the pineapple on pizza test, but... Uh, he did not fail it. it. <laughs> okay. So, minority report. So, this is where you get to pick one of the three mm -hmm. as your favorite. Minority Report, Blade Runner, or Dune? Wow. Okay. So, um, you know, different stages, different life. We're different people. You know, sometimes we start off in one religion and we end up somewhere else. Um, when I was young, I definitely was a Dune. In my uh, rebellious years, I was definitely a Blade Runner. And now I'm very cynical and I would have to say I'm a very Minority Report now. You say cynical, I just say realistic. Very fluid um, of you. And now, so, when we used to ask this question, this is why we jokingly call it the religion question. It was Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly. Right. And that's very obvious when you say the religion question, because they've got cult followings. 
but that get a little boring. So Doc and I decided to mix it up a little bit. And now we ask that question and people's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, the other thing is, um, if you have people on the same time, the same, the show multiple times, it gets a little like, we already know your answer. Mm. And then it's really fun to watch when we've changed it on them. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I, you know, I could say I'm a polytheist when it comes to these things, but well, we're yeah. po I'm polytheist, so yeah. I'm going to be asking you about the fantasy ones now. She belongs okay. to the church of the I'm going to stab you right. and the the heretical church of um, Pern was was sci fi. I don't know what that's Pern about. is sci fi. There is no was <laughs> dragons equal fantasy. Enough said. You can't say shit because you don't understand science. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna call shenanigans on that one. Ha! <laughs> See? She brought you, didn't she? No, dude. It's that stellar I got, a, I, got stuff a, I got a long pedigree. I can go. I can. I can. Yeah. No. Let's go. Let's See? go. Bring it. Bring it. Bring it. <laughs> okay. So, Black Cauldron, The Chronicles of Narnia, or Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Okay, so um, let's just, I love Black Cauldron's animation, but I recently watched it again, and I'm like, there's no story here. I, I was looking for a story. There was no story. Um, so I'm going to throw that one out. Uh, younger, I'm all about the Chronicles of Narnia, and I still have a, a dear place for it in my heart. But where I am now, hide me, Eddie, please. I am I all about the Roger, Roger Rabbit. I'm all about the Roger Rabbit. The, the I, I, went cool to I went to Disneyland and I had to do the, the Roger Rabbit ride because, you know, you gotta. When I MTV, know they had one. We're going to show yeah. our age, but we remember when MTV actually played music videos. That's what the M stood for once upon a time. Yeah. The song Opposites Attract when they made the music video for that, where they actually had the cartoon and yeah. the live action in there, they actually used that music video as a test for Who Framed Roger Rabbit to make that technology work. Yeah. No, they didn't. That was the same, the same producers yeah. for the music video. They were testing the theory out. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And, and now they're trying to do it. So yeah. it's awesome movie. Mm -hmm. um, it is. It is. And they tried to make her more wholesome. They tried to make the girl a little more wholesome in modern versions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the modern versions. Uh, they've touched up the art to make her less. Right. Basically, basically, they don't show her hoo ha anymore. So ah. it's basically what it is. So and they also slimmed her curves up in some of the re modern renditions. So she's less curvy and she shows less. Yeah. No, I had to go out and find the Roger Rabbit laser disc to see whether or not it was true. And it's true. So now what they don't understand was she was. You know that story, right? You guys no, know that story? What's story? You're you're oh wow. Okay, I see the so, movie, but I don't know what you were so, so the scene where they're fleeing in uh, Benny the Cab and they hit the 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 uh, spill of um um what's the what's the dip they, oh, yeah. They, yeah. and his tires melt and they crash and they go flying out of Benny when when she, when Jessica goes flying she spins around could see right up her dress and they drew it all in and everything oh wow oh yeah additionally additionally there's a scene with baby um uh was it baby huey baby, yeah. the, the baby, where um he's walking through a hallway and he bumps into his secretary and um he basically 
I, I don't know how PG 13 or whatever, but he basically takes his middle finger, sticks it up under her dress, pulls it out, brings it past his nose and keeps walking. And you can see that if you, uh, you go step by step on the laser disc. They, they've cleaned up some of the shenanigans, but it was supposed to be over yeah. the top. That was part of what it was. It was, Oh yeah. It was yeah. satire. It was. Yeah. But now I'm wondering why my parents let me watch it in Saudi Arabia. They probably you can't, didn't know. It, it's too fast. You can't see it with the normal eye. You have to go frame by frame. Nobody knew it was there until the laser disc came out and people started going frame by frame. The other thing is people will, they will often, they would put stuff like that in. So like if you slow down some of the stuff, now I haven't done this myself, but supposedly if you slow down like a Papa, for instance, you can hear him actually cussing. They used to st put stuff like that in as like sort of their, their joke to the system that was censoring them. Yeah, they backmasked um, Robin Williams um, in Aladdin saying, Jasmine, take off your dress. Um, and that's uh, in one of his scenes as, as the genie. And they discovered it when a bunch of kids watching Aladdin repeatedly over and over again, like starting and stopping the video, were ending up like taking off their clothes. And they're like, what the hell's going on? Why are all these children taking off their clothes? And they uh, checked it out and they listened. They found it was backmasked in there. So they've removed that. What is so, backmasked? That's not a term I'm familiar with. Um, so you remember when there used to be these big vinyl things called records? Um, do. Yeah. So if you. Yeah, they sell them at Barnes and Noble still. Yeah. I know it's so amazing that everything's come back, right? So if you spin the record backwards, you can hear um, recordings of the voices. This is where they said basically um, that all heavy metal bands had satanic messages. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember so if those. you play the record backwards, um, that's called backmasking. Um, I used to be a DJ, so we were always looking for backmasked messages. My favorite was the B-52s had a backmasked message that basically said, my dog's name is, it was like Rover. He has fleas. So that was backmasked into the record. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Sorry, I'm a font of useless knowledge. And I always no, thought that was I like, wondered what and you, used to tell me those things were in there. And I'm like, how do they get them in there? Yeah. I always just yeah. assumed it was like a, like a urban legend. Backmasking Your was real. The satanic legend. messages were were fake, like the Paul is dead one. That's well, see, just, I never... yeah, that one's fake. But um, but other ones, um, they because this became an urban legend, people started doing it for real to to mess with people. So yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. But we're going to talk I'll, about books, right? They are. I'll triple your pay if you figure out how to do that with the podcast audio. You can't with modern digital. I'll triple your pay. I mean. <laughs> it's totally possible. Just take your audio, drop it into Adobe Audition, then take another piece of audio and just lay it over it and just backwards. It's easy. There yeah, you but go. How did you get people to be able to hear it? They hear it subliminally. You and I will talk offline. We'll put in there, buy more, <laughs> buy more books and review them. Or not, that'll be our back matter. It'll be like review your I, book. I should. I should. I should have buy my books. Like like John Lovitz in The Critic. Buy my book. Buy my book. <laughs> That's not annoying yeah. at all. 
<laughs> All right, now get us back okay. on track. You're supposed to be the grown-up so, in the room. Wait, what? You're the old fart. Um, so which was your first love, sci-fi or fantasy? That's a good or horror, because I know you do horror too. I do do horror. No, horror came about later. Um you know, That's called uh, the news these days. Yeah. Um, so obviously Star Wars had a big impact on me. I mean, I'm at that perfect age where Star Wars, when it hit, it hit hard. And and I became obsessed. I mean, we're talking bed sheets, drapes, the whole works, right? Aww. I, yeah, I know, I know. There's pictures, I'm never gonna put them online. Um, but it, it was pretty sad. Um, people stopped talking to me because, it, you know, every conversation started and ended with Star Wars. Right. And so um, so Star Wars was a huge it was the first thing that I was interested in enough that I wanted to know more beyond just what I was seeing on the screen. So I read all the books about the making of uh, I read magazines about it. I read interviews. And then I started uh, watching other movies that people who were connected with Star Wars was involved with. So Star Wars is a huge part of my life. Fictionally, I was given Chronicles of Narnia as a box set right about that time or maybe a little before. And so, you know, there was certainly fantasy as well. Um, I'll also throw in there that mystery was a huge part of my life, reading Agatha Christie and Holmes and stuff like that. So uh, in that regard, this is why I ended up in uh, cross uh, genre later on, is the idea that I like some science fiction and some fantasy mix, some mystery and sci-fi, mystery and fantasy and so forth. Well, that's the thing that's so awesome about speculative fiction is you, as long as you're not wanting to micromanage it like <laughs> Amazon and JR, you can be very genre fluid and still stay in the same genre, really. Yeah, absolutely. There's something for everybody. You can be wrong. We'll allow it. Now, normally we would ask you what your first memory of sci uh, of the sci-fi or fantasy, but you just answered that. So yeah. aside from the books in the star Wars movie, do you remember it? Like any of the games that were out? Like, I don't know if the tabletops were your um, era. I, don't I know. grew, I grew up in Wisconsin. So yeah, I'm at the home of where Dungeons and Dragons was created. So yeah, we played D and D. Um, I, played video games from the moment they came out. I remember the, the wood panel Atari um, 2600. And uh, yeah, basically um, all of it. You know, I had uh, action figures. I had everything, right? Literally, you can name it. If it, was, if it was able to be gotten in Wisconsin, which means I didn't get everything, but if I could get it in Wisconsin, I got it. See, that's why you're so friendly. Everybody I've met from Wisconsin's very friendly, even the socially awkward ones. Well, we drink a lot. <laughs> it's kind of so, like, you know, like, like, right. It's like, okay, you're off a of formula. Here's, here's Miller. Uh, so, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, maybe I should move there. Doc wouldn't be so much of a lush if we were surrounded by people like that. So what is it about speculate? Well, I'm just trying to say that around people that were actually bigger alcoholics than you, maybe it wouldn't be so bad. Oh, people like, oh, you're the, the, bar. I live no, in the, the bar gets higher. Yeah. Yeah. 
The bar gets higher for there, though. But I'm not an alcoholic. I don't go to meetings. Fair, no, fair. If, as Lewis Black says, you're not an alcoholic. You're a professional. So. <laughs> I am exploring and enjoying my world. She's even got science molecules on her cup. I know. JR gave it to me one time as he was trying to be nice to me because he was afraid I'd hurt him. Sure, that's what we'll go for. So what is it about speculative fiction that you love as a genre? So um, I was a really good liar when I was a little kid. Uh, <laughs> and I figured that um, anybody who could lie better than me, I could worship. No, um, really, honestly, I have always been a dreamer. Um, and I hope I'm not the only one. But uh, I really, honestly, I have spent more time dreaming up um stories and worlds you know those star wars action figures right well like they didn't just make star wars figures they made star trek figures they made black hole they made tron they made indiana jones they all these different figures i would take all these figures and a little area set up in in um in the basement or in the garage and i would build stories about all of these characters finding ways to meet each other and have these big giant battles and people would actually come over like my friends would come over and they go so tell me about the battle and i would act out this entire battle sequence with the story and everything like that and so you know it's like i've always been a somebody who has believed in the imagination and so what appeals to me is when people have an imagination that that connects with my own that speaks a language that i speak and that's what i love about it and it doesn't matter what it is you know i i have dreamed of mysteries i have dreamed of science fiction i've dreamed of fantasy i've dreamed of horror you know um i i weird westerns right like i never thought i'd end up in weird westerns and here i am now and that's one of my brands so um yeah it, i love good imagination you know um my parents used to you know my my parents were ministers by the way and so there was a lot of times where they were having bible studies and stuff like that and they needed somebody to babysit me and the tv was a really convenient babysitter and uh, uh and i can remember entire saturdays sat in front of the tv starting early morning with godzilla movies and then going into like the monsters and you know in adam's family and then even the brady bunch and stuff like that like i loved a good story and that in, imprinted on me and it's become that's who i am now that's a good answer we'll take it <laughs> uh, thank you i mean i can come so, up with another one i said i was a good liar so you keep that up i'm gonna put you in congress so how did your love of speculative fiction as a genre transition into you writing stories in it? Do you count the first stories that you told was when you were playing with those toys and making those scenes? Or what, what's your first memory of telling a story and how did that transition happen? Wow. Okay. So, yeah, those Star Wars figures were some of my very first. Of course, Dungeons and Dragons and things like that. I told a lot of stories through that. Um, you know, even when I got into school, um, I was very fortunate that my school also had like a, uh, a sci-fi class and a mystery class where we studied 
artworks of it and we had to write essays and things like that um, yeah i know my school is really weird you know it's like you know we have this really we have these strong drama literary um uh and stuff like that but then we're also like the state champion football team so it's like you know really weird but um i took uh i took a lot of english classes and i was tasked with you know writing stories and stuff like that so that's some of my first writing the problem was i was undiagnosed adhd at the time um and the revision process was really tough on me so i could write something but i couldn't rewrite it it almost caused me physical pain to rewrite and if you remember back then we didn't have computers right we were just starting to get them and they did not have word processors stone so, tablets have no erase feature that's all i'm gonna say correct and you can only afford so much liquid paper so um so you know i would write something and i would say that's good and turn it in and i didn't know that it wasn't good until i got the grade back but i always got compliments on my imagination right like you're a good storyteller you just don't have any <laughs> crafting ability. It wasn't until much later when word processing programs really started getting strong in the market that they were able to keep up with how my mind works. And uh, but before that, I actually thought I was going to be a filmmaker. You know, I, I actually studied filmmaking a couple of times, took screenwriting program or courses and studied audiovisual and things of that nature. Um, but I wasn't particularly good at it at that time. Uh, so a failed screenwriter almost uh, has to become uh, 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 some sort of an author or short story writer or something because we still have stories to tell. We just need another medium to tell them. Okay. Fair. So many authors will let their own real life experiences influence the stories they tell. So were there any specific formidable moments that shape you as a storyteller? Was it, you know, building igloos out in the uh, frozen north uh, west? Was it, you know, hey, it's Wisconsin. You know, they, they... Not... Jared, where do you think Wisconsin is? Up north where it's cold. They have snow in the winter. But not in the west. Yeah, but I it's northwest of us. Yeah, no, no, he, he's right. I built an igloo. He's, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. I, I think Jr. was starting to be a lieutenant or something. Um, yeah, no, Look, no, no. I aced my land nav course all four times I went through PLDC. So Wisconsin, we once one winter we got so much snow we couldn't leave through the bottom floor of the house. We had to go out the top story. I've seen house. pictures. Yeah, where they open the back door and they dig out ice shelves so they can keep their beer cold. Right. Yeah. One time the wind chill was so bad that the news actually came on and said, do not go outside. There's not enough oxygen to survive, that you will die. And sure enough, there was always like five or six deaths the next day from people who couldn't get their key into their lock fast enough. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, he's not. I'm not go. leaving the South, damn it. <laughs> we can go build igloos and start our own little commune. We'll bring you, you out. Can go build fun. igloos. You got like an extra layer of padding. Mine's not that thick. Igloos melt in the summer. Okay, so anyway, um, yeah. So as far as formulaic stuff, no, actually, you know, we we talk about that, you know, write what you know, sort of thing, right? I grew up in a very conservative family, 
with a, in a very rural part of a, a state that is kind of like Brigadoon, right? Like, tech, tech, you know, changes come to Wisconsin about every 100 years when they let somebody in, right? And so, um, and don't get me wrong, there's a lot I love about Wisconsin. I'm not down on Wisconsin. I'm down on my, my place in Wisconsin, right? Like I didn't fit there. Right. And so, um, uh, I didn't have a lot of no to write about, but really when it comes down to when you're writing, it's not what you know, it's what you can research. Right. And so you read a lot, you read a lot about other people's experiences. You read a lot about, um, you know, I mean, we don't travel to other worlds. So when you write about other worlds, you have to do research, right? And, you know, and stuff like that. So my writing is based mostly on things I've researched. Now, do I incorporate stuff? Yeah. Um, for example, when, uh, when I got married, uh, I went uh, on our honeymoon, we went to the Bahamas and we were taken aback when you get off the ship in the Bahamas, Nassau, Bahama, you're immediately swarmed by all sorts of uh, locals offering to either give you a tour of the island or braid your hair, right? And it was like, oh, pretty lady, braid your hair. You know, uh, you look like island girl, you know? And it's like their fake accents are so so delightful because they don't talk like that to each other. We listened. Um, so... And, and the guys were great because they're like, oh, I'll give you a turtle of the island. I've been here my whole life. And the next guy's like, he's lying. He got out here last week. I've been here my whole life, right? And I thought, you know, I wonder if, like, when we have space stations, we have space stations and we, we have tourists who arrive at space stations to say, say, you know, outside of Saturn or Jupiter or whatever, anything like that, it'd be the same thing. People are like, as soon as the spaceship docks, hey, you want, I've been, I've been here, I was born on this station, I'll give you a tour, you know, and it's like, oh, do you want flares in your hair? Uh, you'll look just like a, an alien or something like that, you know, and, and so I put that in a story, right? Like, there are lots of little experiences that we can translate into into stories but as far as like what i grew up with i haven't written that story yet you know i've tried a couple of times but i'm no joe lansdale i can't do americana the way he does um so yeah then don't make an americana well the story begs for it the story <laughs> begs for it it's just i'm not a good enough writer yet i'll write it someday Okay. Okay. So transitioning into some of the, has anyone asked for your autograph out in public? Um, I mean, at conventions, yes. I've gotten a lot of autographs, like just walking through the halls and stuff like that. Certainly after panels, before panels and things of that nature. But no, no, I haven't. I mean, one time was, you know, like if I have a book with me and I give it away or something, somebody will ask for an autograph. Like one time I had a, um, a stewardess or flight attendant uh, on an airplane ask me, uh, she's like, uh, do you have a copy of your book? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, will you sign it? I'm like, yeah. So, you know, stuff like that. But um, no, I, I don't get to, I'm not that famous yet. You know, I don't, I'm not, people don't like go, oh, look, it's him. Um, not well, yet. And unless you're like Sanderson or Martin, 
-hmm. most authors are they look like regular people but because their face mm -hmm. isn't you're you you're used to like how they describe things but you don't see their face reading it or i mean i guess there might yeah. be one or two who narrate their own stories but well it, it's like wednesday adams said in and in, in the adams family movie you know i'm dressed as a serial killer they look like everybody else you know, it's the same with authors. We're all just like serial killers. Yeah, I told everybody for Halloween I was going as a mundane. Mm, there you go. They went, what's that? Are... My son goes, it's normal. <laughs> or a muggle or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but mundane's a politer way of calling somebody a muggle. Yeah. So, anyways. But have you spotted somebody reading your book out of in public? No, I have not. However, um, funny story, when the my novel, She Married Me With Science, came out back in 2008, I was on the light rail. It was in uh, Worldcon was in Denver that year, Denvention 3. Um, and uh, I was on the light rail heading down to the convention center, and I saw a guy reading a science fiction book. And, of course, I'm really, like, all full of, you know, bravado because I have a science fiction book that just came out. And I'm like, hey, by the way. Uh, I see you writing science fiction. I just had a book come out today. And he goes, really? What's the name of it? And I said, she murdered me with science. He goes, I just ordered that this morning. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? He goes, yeah, I came up as a recommendation for some other book that I was buying. And I decided to buy it. And I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> That's awesome. So he, I did meet later and sign his book, copy of the book. So there you go. That is Two wonderful. Two for one. We'll take it. So this is the part of the interview, David, where we ask about everything you have written. So can you give us the Reader's <laughs> Digest version of your body of work? Everything I've read or everything I've written? Written. written. He knows okay. better than to ask the reading question. Okay, he okay. Tried that one it's with not me. like read, and I'm like, okay, no, we can go there. Um, <laughs> we got time. <laughs> um, so what have I written? Okay, so uh, my novel is called She Murdered Me With Science. It's a sci-fi noir set in the 50s. And that is from Wordfire Press that came out originally in 2008. And then Wordfire released it in 2016, I believe it was. All right. Um, and then uh, I have a novella that I self-published that ties into it. It's separate, so it doesn't have to. Uh, you can read one, don't have to read the other. Um, and then uh, I have edited three Weird Western anthologies for Bain. Uh, straight out of uh, Tombstone, straight out of Deadwood, and straight out of Dodge City. I have edited two pulp anthologies, pulp hero anthologies for Moonstone Books. Uh, Gentlemen Prefer Domino Lady. Well, I co-edited, I should say, co-edited both of these. Uh, Gentlemen Prefer Domino Lady and Domino Patrick, Daughter of the Domino Lady. And uh, the Domino Patrick is coming out like real soon. Um, and then I ghost edited another anthology. I have a three uh, space Western anthologies coming out from Bain. The first one has been delayed thanks to shipping crises. crises. Um, and that is uh, Gunfight on Europa Station, which was supposed to come out November 4th. It's now coming out December 20th. It is uh, chock full of space Western goodness. Uh, with a lot of great names uh, involved with that one. Um, I also just announced, uh, and then the follow-up to it is um, uh, High Noon, uh, 
um, God, I'm blanking now. Uh, oh, um, uh, High Noon on Alpha Centauri B. Uh, that will be coming out next year. And then the final one is uh, Last Train from Kepler 321C, which will be out the next year after that. Uh, what else? Oh, I just announced that I am editing a tribute anthology. I'm writing and editing a tribute anthology to Jack L. Chalker's Well World series called Permutations, where I'll be writing uh, like a bookend sort of thing. And a bunch of authors are coming in to uh, write original stories set on Well World. Uh, so if you're a fan of that old series, um, hopefully we're going to bring some new life and some new fans to it because one of my nearest and dearest. Um, and then I'm umming a lot. I'm sorry. I used to be a broadcaster. I should be better than this. At least I'm not popping my peas. So I've got that going for me. But then I said, don't pop your peas for five minutes before we started. So, <laughs> but now I got to work on adding the don't um either. So additionally, uh, I will be, uh, I announced that I have a collection of my weird Western short stories will be coming out from Wolfpack Publishing uh next year and that's the drowned horse chronicle volume one what else do i have <clears throat> take a look i have a busy board over here uh with all the things that i'm working on so yeah um and then i've got about uh oh uh the soul changers uh which is a media tie-in novel that'll be my actually second released novel will be the soul changers which is a paranormal uh horror set in the role-playing world of rippers which is out from pinnacle entertainment group um i just that'll be an illustrated novel and that will be coming out next year as well so that'll be my first official second novel unless something else comes out first but i think i think it will beat anything else so and then um uh, yeah lots and lots of short stories some media tie-in stuff green hornet predator um black bat uh veronica mars um and then i have a regular column on a website called gumshoe review which is a mystery website and i have a, a thousand word mystery series called the trace walker temporary mysteries and those come about out about every quarter or so um flash fiction mysteries um about a a, f a fallen detective who's uh, can only get work for a temp agency. He discovers really early on is using him to solve unsolvable crimes. Okay. So <laughs> that all sounds fascinating, but we're going to talk to Doc. Calm down. I just talk... like it when you're like, oh. And that's, <laughs> the that's a highlight reel. I could go deeper, but I'm not going to. But uh, we're going to talk today about gunfight on Europa Station. So, you're going to be okay, Doc? You need a moment? I'm fine. You continue to be the adult here. So, where did you get the premise for this collection of short stories? Was it psychedelics, Ouija board, overindulging in that wacky tobacco over there in Colorado? <laughs> uh, gunfights or uh, gunfighters are weird, so I kind of like it. But, I mean, like, wh where, where did the idea come from? I wanted to make money this time. <laughs> by the wacky tobacco got it i'm tracking no 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 what so so straight out of tombstone did really really well it it, it hit the, the bestseller list right the national bestseller mm -hmm. list 
at the bottom, it was like 38, right? Like, but that according to Bain, that counts, right? That's so still they, there. That's still there, right? So um, unfortunately, the f second two did not repeat the, the success of the first one. They both did very well. And they were both, uh, the second one straight out of Deadwood, um, had award nominations and all sorts of stuff. So in that regard, um, you know, I am perfectly happy with both anthologies. Nothing wrong with great authors, great stories and whatever. Did not bring the financial success I was hoping for. So I said, well, how do I tap more into the audience um, that I'm writing for? And I'm like, well, I can't necessarily, I'm like not a military guy. I don't do military SF, but I love me some Firefly. I love me some classic Star Trek. I love me some Outland with Sean Connery. I love me some Oblivion with George Takei. Uh, I mean, like, I love space westerns. I've always loved space westerns. And I thought, you know, let's do an anthology of space westerns. And hopefully that will provide the kind of things that my audience likes, right? Like, so I got big people who write, you know, space military, space opera, things of that nature. And I said, you know, give me your worlds and give me like a planet where where kind of maybe some of this Western tropes still hold uh, true in things. And they responded, oh, my God, these stories, you're going to freaking love them. I mean, we got everything. We got, you know, alien sheriffs. We got robots. We've got, you know, space, a little bit of space pirates, sort of like, you know, space gangs and things like that. We got a little bit of everything in there for you. So. See, this okay. uh, this sounds like it, it's going to really jive with childhood memories of one of my favorite cartoon shows was Galaxy Rangers. And it was all oh, Space yeah. Western. What was the, uh, it was like uh, Brett they Star had, or something like that. Wasn't yeah. there a Brett there Star was, in the Galaxy Rangers perfect. or something? Yeah. I think so. There was Doc. Yeah. And uh, they had Cybernet uh, robotic horses. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. We got some of that. And oh, and even and the second anthology, High Noon, has got amazing. I'm editing. I'm finishing up editing. I have to turn it in at the end of the month. I'm finishing up editing that right now. And again, whole cadre of uh, amazing stories. Everybody's gonna love. Uh, literally, I got a little bit of something for everybody. Nice. Okay, so before we dig in. We are going to take a moment to look at this glorious cover. So what can you tell us about this cover art? Where did the, the image come from? What's the story behind its creation? Okay. So um, so this is not the first cover um, that we had. Um, and it's one of the few times that Tony said, you know, I actually listened to my authors. No, I'm kidding. She always listens to her authors. But what had happened was they gave me a cover that, didn't have any of the sci-fi elements of it. It just like all of those little Cthulhu alien creatures wasn't there um, and so forth. He didn't have a, he had a regular six gun and things like that. And I said, Tony, this, this is great, but it, it doesn't look science fiction at all. And she looked at it and she said, you know what? You're absolutely right. And so they went back and did a second draft of the cover where adding the alien elements, the the kind of the explosion in the background and so forth. Now, here's a fun thing. I don't know how 
how much you can zoom in on this picture. But when you get it, when you get the cover and you have it in your hands, if you look very closely to the, oh yeah, zoom in on that badge. All right. Yeah. It out. It's the Bane logo. Bane logo. <laughs> nice. So, uh, so he he is uh, he is a sheriff for Bane, uh, the the Bane continuum, the Bane Empire in the future. Right? You know, keeping <laughs> law and order uh, in the in the galaxy. So yeah, no, they did a the the second draft was amazing. It, it I love this cover. It is everything that you want. His name's in, not Joe Buckley. Yeah, <laughs> it's everything <laughs> you want. It literally is. It is. So I I love this cover. Um, I believe it's another Dominic Harmon who did all the covers for uh, my first three anthologies, which was uh, he, he's just so talented. Uh, I can't speak uh, highly enough about Dominic. So and we've had we've had Jenny on and she's in this anthology. She's mm -hmm. awesome. Yes. And yeah. I know several the names of several of those other people. You did get a good smattering of uh, wonderful names and variety. some of them. Yeah, yeah, because I wanted to get not only um, not only people that Bain knew, Bain audience knew, you know, like your Elizabeth Moon, your Jane Linskull, Win Will McCarthy, uh, Martin uh, Marty Shoemaker, and so forth. Right. Everybody like, who want, reads. Them. Yeah, <laughs> but but I wanted to get some people who maybe. Um, have been successful in other areas and have not in other publishers who maybe have not had a chance to to read before uh michael haspel who um is just an amazing author he's got some stuff coming out in um uh warhammer right so warhammer fans you're gonna love mike's story in there it's not a warhammer story but you can tell that this guy loves his Warhammer. He's such you a should get author. you should send it to Henry Cavill who loves Warhammer. Yeah, we've been talking about that lately. Um, and then Alex Schwartzman, he does the uh the UFO series, the unidentified funny objects. So this guy <laughs> knows science fiction. He did not give me a funny story though. He gave me quite a serious story. Uh Patrick Swenson had a series of sci-fi noirs. Um, Kath Rambo obviously has had lots of uh, science fiction. Alistair Mayer's known uh, for his work with uh, Asimov's and Analog, right? So, so all of these people, of course, Alan Dean Foster, who's my mentor, uh, I, I learned so much from this guy, and uh, him and him and Kevin James. I got Kevin in, in some of the other anthologies, but um, and Mike Stackpole, they, they all were very, because I was a Star Wars reader, um, they were all very influential on my writing uh, early on. And so any chance I can get to get one of them in an anthology, I'm going to take it because, you know, Star Wars, they know some space Western, let me tell you. But no, everything in here is is delightful and, uh, and, and has that um, us against the final frontier sort of thing. I like that. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I have it um, in my. I I may have gotten the pre-order or uh, the advanced ebook that Bane does already on my Nook. Mm -hmm. So I'm just I'm waiting for the weekend when I have time to read. <laughs> <laughs> what well, is this so, time you speak of? 
I don't magic? know. You keep scheduling things. Well, the great, um, thing, the great things about short stories are that you can get in and out pretty quickly and like your legs don't even fall asleep on the toilet, which is great, you know, because like if you're reading a novel and you can't put it down, next thing you know, you're crawling out of the bathroom and that's always embarrassing unless you live alone like I do. So nobody gets to see me do that. So and who's behind you? Oh, that that's Jack. So. <laughs> So and 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 not Jack Skellington. Everybody says like, "Oh, Jack Skellington." No, no. Actually, when I bought my skeleton, there was two of them. One was named Jack, and the other one was named Bobby. What? I have an ex-boyfriend named Bobby. <laughs> I thought you could go with Jill, and you know, yeah. put a bucket of water in each of their hands. But no, no, no. Anyway, no, they had a morbid sense of humor. So okay. Uh, so, so yeah. what? What would your thirty-second elevator pitch be for this anthology? Um, if you're missing Firefly and you have reservations about the upcoming reboot, this will give you everything that you love about Firefly. Uh, if you're missing Star Trek because you've been watching Discovery or other shows that you're not happy with, this will give you everything that you love about Star Trek. Um, if you're missing Sean Connery and wishing that he had done a sequel to Outland, like I do, uh, this will give you everything that you're missing about Outland. Um, no, it's literally everything um, good about what we don't know about outer space. Very cool. I, I look forward to it. It's beautiful cover art. I like the colors. Those are definitely some standout colors. Oh, yeah. And um, so what troops do you think you really hit best with this anthology? So the settlers is a big one. The idea of going into unexplored regions and trying to make a life for yourself and the things that work against you. You know, when we look at yeah. a lot of the old Westerns, it's a lot of the point of views of the small towns trying to eke a living in a very uh, unhospitable place. And the things that people have to do, good and bad, to make that work, right? And, you know, the, the rule of thumb, uh, when I sent out the invite to both of these, is, you know, don't set it on Earth, right? Like, I don't want a sci-fi Western on Earth. You know, give me unexplored regions of space. Give me things that we have never seen before, right? Uh, give me alien uh, landscapes and, and show how people have to survive in those conditions, right? And then, you know, obviously the great trope of good versus evil, right? And, you know, there's evil and then there's greater evils, right? Because there's some, there's some characters that are not, shall we say, as honorable as others in, the, in this anthology. Um, but ultimately, that honor is a, a, a slippery slope, right? Like, you know, what do you have to do against a greater evil, right? Stuff like that. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that's um, a lot to think about. 
but uh, I like things that make you think. That's a good thing. And I think short fiction is ideally suited for that because you can explore ideas in minutia and without belaboring it because you've got a limited word count to do it. Um, yeah. So let's talk about your story in this collection. What is your story in this collection called? Uh, it is called uh, Showdown on Europa Station. And it's kind of the, the theme story for the anthology. And it's about um, a, a space colony, actually a space mining colony on Europa um, that's owned by the Coca-Cola Corporation. Because believe it or not, Coca-Cola still needs water. And so there's a uh, water mining facility and they request um, a, uh, an ME, a medical examiner. And I'm like, when I came up with the idea, I'm like, what is the, what is the thing that I do not ever see a story really about? And I'm like, the undertaker, right? We always show the Old West undertaker is usually kind of this creepy sort of person. My favorite has to be Back to the Future 3, where he's always measuring people for their coffins and stuff like that, right? Like, that's that's just like, that's gold. And, um, and I thought, well, you know, almost every settlement had to have somebody to bury, you know, the dead because there was often a lot of dead. And I was like, so how do I get an undertaker uh, on a space colony? Like, how does that look? And then so I, I started crafting a story about why would they require an undertaker or in this case, like a medical examiner, coroner sort of guy um, when they're, you know, they actually have like doctors and stuff like that already there. And uh, so I started uh, playing around with the idea of um, how do you dispose of bodies on another world if especially if you can't cremate them because of course you know oxygen rich environments probably pretty hard to like have open flame or anything like that so you can't cremate a body and uh i came up with the idea of burying the bodies uh you know down you know basically like sinking them like burial at sea and that's where the story kind of begins dark but i'll take it so what can, you tell us, what can you tell us about our main character? Um, so his name is Break, uh, or his nickname is Break. Um, they call him Break because um, when uh, he was, his mother was in labor, um, father was driving them uh, to the hospital and he had to slam on the brakes uh, because he was busy looking back to his wife um, as she as as the baby's crowning, <laughs> and uh, and and he's not looking ahead of him, and he looks and he has to slam on the brakes to avoid crashing into a truck in front of him, and brake just kind of slipped out. He kind of, and so um, his dad called him, "Oh, you're my big brake," and that becomes his nickname. Um, he is um, he is clever. And uh, he's uh, at least remotely honorable. And uh, he realizes that he's um, pretty quickly on um, that he's been sent there for um, for a purpose. He doesn't know until things the shit hits the fan, basically. Okay. 
So normally we ask about the secondary characters. With the shorter length, do you have a secondary character in this story? And if so, can you tell us about them? Um, I do. I do have some other characters in there. Um, you know, he's got basically a shadow, um, a person from the uh, Coca-Cola security force that follows him around. It becomes kind of a love interest. Um, so, you know, yeah, I mean, there's other characters, but um, it's such a short story. I don't want to dive into too much because I want you to be able to discover it uh, when the time comes. All right. Well, because you said it that that way, what um, what can you tell us about the bad guy without spoilers? Is there anything, given how short it is, that you can tell us? No, no, I can't tell you anything. Okay, totally yeah. works. But I have a question: Is this part of a uh, grander universe you plan to write in more? Not as of yet. Um, I have enough stuff on my 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 busy board right now <laughs> that this is not something I'm going to be returning to anytime soon. Um, and it's pretty much a self-contained story. I mean, I could come back to it again later, like he gets transferred to another colony or something like that. But it's really pretty self-contained. And uh, yeah, sometimes they are. Sometimes it's uh, one, one and done, you know? So that's what, never mind. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Oh, so close, JR. So close. Um, so. Uh, I'm going to steal JR's question because he's corny like that and he deserves punishment. Um, if your characters met you in a back alley and they knew you were the one who put them through all of this stuff, how do you think you'd fare? Well, I mean, it really depends on the character. If we take just the story here, it turns out fairly well. Right. It's a good thing. You know, um, yeah, a lot of people die, um, but the character gets laid in the end. So, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to complain too much, um, but um, I never do. Yeah. Um, but as far as other characters I've written, eh, fair to partly cloudy. Um, my my mystery detective, my mystery series, that guy hates my guts. I, I know he hates my guts. Every time I write him, I, I can just see him looking up from the page going, really? Really, MF? Really? This is what you're going to do to me this time? F you, right? Like, I know he doesn't like me. Um, the character in my um, my uh, Noel Glass, Noel R. Glass, uh, in my She Murdered Me With Science series, um, he's like, you don't understand me. I don't think you, I don't think we're communicating um, because, you know, um, I'm smarter than you. He is. He's very, he, my Noel Glass is much, much smarter than me. And it's really hard for me to write him sometimes because he's so much smarter than me. He has to keep dumbing down his story for me because it's working on such a higher level than I even understand. Um, so, you know, uh, so it really depends. Um you know, there's a there's some characters that would be like, oh wow, thanks for doing that for me. You really helped me get through this really tough time I was having. And others would be like, you asshole, what the hell were you thinking? Um, I know nobody in the Soul Changers would like me for what I did to them, um, but I do some horrible things to them. So, because uh, it is, it's paranormal horror, it's paranormal fantasy. So I do all sorts of horrible things to them and none of them would be appreciative of what I was doing for them. They wouldn't see it. 
no, no, no. So. That's parenting's like that sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, do you have a favorite character archetype? Um. So I like every man, every person, every man, every person, every woman. The the normal everyday person who um, is in over their head. I like that. And that's probably because I feel over my head almost every day. Uh, so, um, but I, I like that character. I do. I like the, um, the person who has to rise up. Um, I'm also a big favorite of the redemption story, right? Mm -hmm. I have a lot of fallen heroes, um, mostly because I've written a lot of noir, right? So a lot of my characters have had really traumatic uh, events happen before the start story takes place or will happen within the first few pages of the story and then they have to come back from um so the redemption arc is also very very uh big for me so yeah those two especially the everyman mm -hmm. and the redemption arc okay so I, I do enjoy the everyman as well that, that can also on the one hand, it's it's easier to write because it's you don't have to make them special. Uh, it also makes it easier, I think, for readers to relate to it because it could be them. Whereas, you know, not everybody could be James Bond and you know back flicking, flipping off a you know mountain and landing on an airplane in motion and doing all well, that some, stuff, right? Some of my first, my earliest Dungeons and Dragons campaign was basically taking me and my friends and. You know, you enter into this big storm pipe, you know, storm drain pipe, and and you find a fantasy world that's buried beneath the surface in a very Jules Verne uh, or H.G. Uh, Wells sort of way. So one of the things I always like to do was have them make themselves up as characters and then, you know, give them skills and so forth. It was one of my favorite stories to do as a, as a GM. Okay. Um, so we all know that uh, every literary universe has its own internally consistent rules of science, technology, and magic. So what sort of tech and or magic can we expect from these, uh, from your story? So Shimmer Mew's science is especially fun where this is concerned. Um, and that's because it's um, what they, they like to call, um, uh, oh God, what's the term they're using now? Um, revisionist sci-fi or um, retro sci-fi where um, you're um, looking at the past and el adding elements of the future that is going to be coming, but maybe had already been there and people didn't know it existed, right? So a lot of my uh, stuff in that era is either alt history or secret history. So um, so with that, what I tend to do when I write an old glass story is I take a look at a technology and say, how do I make that into um, something that could have happened in the 1950s or the 1940s or whatever, right? So I'm always looking at that idea. Um, and so, like I currently working on an old glass story that involves a perpetual motion machine. And I'm like, how do I build 
a functional perpetual motion machine in the 1950s. And so that's kind of the questions I always ask. And then I have to research what technologies were available and then kind of assemble them, take pieces of this, pieces of that to assemble the device that's going to be the murder weapon because it's always going to be something that shouldn't exist but does. So, for example, I'll give you I'll give you a really cool example, and this is the only time that I get to attach the name futurist to myself because uh, uh, other authors are really good at being futurists. I, I I wouldn't say that I am, but in this particular case, I am. I invented for she murdered me with science a maser weapon. A microwave weapon, which, as we've seen in the news the last few years, they're using microwave weapons uh, against our embassies. Uh, and I'm like, did they read my book? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, horrible, but did they read my book when they came up with the maser weapon? So, um, so yeah, there's that. Okay. So the um, keep down to the right question. There you go. So of all the tech that you created, specifically we're speaking about for gunfight on Europa Station for that story. Okay. Of all the tech you invented in that universe, what would you like to have for daily use? Oh, probably the Uber Manta. Uh, so the Uber Manta is a uh, a submersible car. Uh, so yeah. Um, well, you know, basically, I play around with the idea that every technology is sponsored by a corporation in the future, sort of like, you know, how every technology was created by the military or porn uh, previous. Uh, oh, yeah. You didn't you know the porn creates all of our technology, I, you know, if they can DVDs, Blu-rays, all created by the porn industry. But um, but technology is either created by the military. Wait, does yes. that mean that Skynet's going to come out of Pornhub? Oh, absolutely. Oh, no, it's already, only fans. Oh, oh, <laughs> mm, That's uh, why Nick will survive it and we won't. Yeah. This is true. Um, but um, but the, the idea that going forward, we're already seeing that space travel is being sponsored by corporations now, not government. And so um, I thought, well, basically in the future then, you know, if Uber wants a particular vehicle for, say, like a space colony to take, you know, to pick up and deliver people from the spaceport to their hotel, you know, they're going to have to invent the cars to do that. Or, you know, in this case, since it's an underwater colony, because you can't be on the surface of the of Europa, um, they would invent the 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 the, the submersible that could be used uh, there. So, yeah, I like the idea that corporations um, will will push certain technologies forward uh, because there's a need. And if there's a need, there's money. Okay. So how would you abuse that for daily use since Doc is falling asleep on the job? Um, heck, I would... I would uh, go out, I'd move next to the ocean. I'd go drive around and find Atlantis. <laughs> Something. Ooh. Yeah, I'd go, I'd go, I'd go, you know, deep, 
deep diving and not have to worry about, uh, you know, uh, the bends or anything. Would you tell people if you found Atlantis or would you keep it to yourself? Really depends on what I find there. I'm sure he'd tell me. I would tell you'd probably be in the seat next to me. I Aww. do have a habit of doing things like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on. We're, 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 you know what I show up, I say, Hey, you know what? You can go to work tomorrow or we can jump in the, the Manta and go find Atlantis. You're going to be like, I'm calling in sick. Yeah. All right. So for that road trip, what snacks would you bring? Ooh, definitely some peanut M&Ms. You don't have a peanut allergy, do you, Cisco? No, I don't. Okay. Definitely need some peanut M&Ms. Um, Classy. Okay. All right. Uh, Diet Dr. Pepper, which I actually like better than Dr. Pepper. Um, I don't know. He can drink the Diet Dr. Pepper. I'll bring the bourbon. You're not driving, so it works that way. Yeah. Technically, I'm not driving either. I'm swimming. But uh, <laughs> can you get an SWI? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, our co-host is a boat cop, so we'll have to ask him when he comes back. Okay, there you go. Um, uh, I guess it depends on whether or not you run into something. <laughs> so, um, that could be problematic. You run into a great white shark. I would probably bring clam dip. And chips. Ooh, ooh, oh, now, now, what type of chips? I'm curious. So we go in with something kind of like, a, like a Ritz sort of thing, or maybe a something Ruffles like a- really does best, I think, Ruffles. better than a Ritz. Well, um, like a, but I a pe- do like pita. kettle chips. Kettle chips are really good. We got some good kettle chips out here. Um, what about like a pita chip? Would you be up for a pita chip? I like, I like pita, pita chips. chips. I've even made homemade pita chips. Those are really okay. good. I I prefer those though with my spinach artichoke dip. Okay. Well, you know, we what's great is it's underwater. So probably, you know, we don't even need a cooler. We just put it in the trunk. You know, kept, exactly. kept, so we could bring both, really, honestly. Yeah. Sounds like a date. So it's a plan, my man. All right. <laughs> Jay, are uh, you there? Yeah, I was waiting for you to ask the alien question next. Okay. Well, I was just waiting. I wanted to see if you wanted to weigh in on our snack choices. No, I, I got I, nothing. I, I I wish to invoke my Fifth Amendment uh, rights to answering whether or not I'm an alien. No, 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 no. We want oh, to know okay. the aliens in uh, your story. Oh, okay. I can't tell you about the aliens in the story. Okay. Yeah, because that's part of the whole story. Well, there you go. Yeah. So um, I've certainly written a lot of aliens in the past. I've written many different types of aliens. Well, how do you design your aliens? Is it need? Is it, you know, uh, too much chocolate brownies? Um, you guys really think favorite? that I am stoned all the time because I'm in Colorado, don't you? Right? Like, that's not no. what happens here. <laughs> we, I think we, for JR is just jealousy, and for me, it's just having fun. <laughs> Yeah, because because you know I everybody I know. I, okay, I will admit when I lived out of Fort Bliss when we were stationed at Fort Bliss, I knew a lot of people in Colorado. None of them were getting stoned that I know of, but they all had made really good brownies if they baked. <laughs> all right, um, you know it's interesting too because of course baking you know, at people in Meridians are going to come after me. Yeah, people, uh, people or Outland. Sorry, here here in uh, Mile High City. 
um you know baking of course is because we're at where we're a mile high is is interesting so probably why they were so good is they're much lighter here when they make them in colorado and they're much denser and thicker and more chocolatey when they're made at sea level i don't know that's a guess that's just I, I don't know that's logical. i mean so, i spent yeah. a good bit of time in outlands eating brownies and yeah. knowing amazing cooks so yeah that could probably yeah. be it too no, surprisingly enough, not everybody here is stoned all the time. Just part of the time. <laughs> that is good to know. <laughs> all right. So what's the, oh, so how do I design my aliens? Yes. Um, so it, it's really to fill a need. It really is, um, you know, the, the alien <laughs> is the deus ex machina in a lot of ways. It is, I... I have a need for a character to overcome something inside of them, some sort of, um, you know, they need to transform and to transform, they need challenges and those challenges need to be specifically designed for the things that are holding them back from that transformation. So when I design aliens, I design them as the, the stone that they're, that they're, you know, up against, right. The, the, um, uh, the challenge that must be overcome for them to reach the next level. So that's basically what my aliens are. Unless, of course, it's like a tie-in or something, and then I'm writing aliens that have already been designed. <laughs> that's always a good good way to do it. All right. So I guess you could subvert expectations that way, but the readers would tend to get upset. So uh, clearly this interview is winding down. But before we wrap this up, was there anything about gunfighter gunfight on Europa Station that we didn't ask that you want to tell us? Uh, where to find it? So, oh, where can you find it? Bane. So, yeah. So Bane.com. You can you can get the the digital copy or pre-order uh, the physical copy, um, and of course uh, Amazon. But because it's Bane, it's also available from your local bookstores. Uh, your independent booksellers can special order it in. Um, uh, again, it was supposed to be out November 4th. It is now streeting, uh, December 20th. So just in time for Christmas. Um, but the, that's the physical copy, the digital copy, obviously, because it doesn't have any problems with the supply chain issues. Um, you can get that, uh, right now. If you're a Kindle Nook, Kobo, uh, reader, uh, you can get it right now. Yes. Okay. You, if uh, you go to the Bain website, you can get it in all the formats without having to pay BZ butt. Yeah. We're sorry, yes. Bezo. She knows not what she does. All right. I know so, exactly what I do most of the time, maybe. Maybe. So um, is it going to be out in audiobook? So, uh, because anthologies are kind of difficult to do in audiobooks, um, the first three that I did with Bain have not been made into audio. I don't know. Um, it's always possible. They haven't told me this. They generally don't tell me this. I ended up, uh, one of the anthologies I'm in uh, ended up on audio, and the editor didn't even know it was on audio. So, um, because these things kind of happen in package deals. Um, they'll make deals uh, for a lot of different books, both novels and anthologies. So I'll find out when everybody else finds out if it ends up on audio. So I do not uh, currently know if it's going to end up in audio. 
All right. So if you find it on audiobooks, people just uh, circle back. We'll have in the show notes how to reach out to David and you can tell him it's out there. I would appreciate that immensely. So before we let you go, dear listener, we'd like to remind you that your opinion matters too. So if you would please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms, every 100 readers that the uh, reviews that this novel gets actually helps keep Cthulhu asleep for a few more hours. So do your part and save the universe because your reviews help the right readers find the right books. So please be kind and speak your mind. Uh, You can review it over at Bain as well, right, uh, Doc? I think so. So you can definitely renew it on Amazon, even though she doesn't like Bezos. Uh, He was right and holy. Uh, You can review it on Barnes & Noble, Goodreads. You can start a website, start a podcast. You can put it on uh, BookBub. I'm probably missing places you can review books. But anywhere you can, you should do your part. We're at a battle on the Facebook page. There you go. Show up, at a convention. show up at a convention, just give me a review while I'm sitting at the booth or on a panel. I'm good with this that. That's true. <laughs> uh, maybe if we get enough funny ones, we could even do an episode where like, we reviewed their read their weird reviews to them like yeah, the late yeah. night shows did. That might actually be funny. Oh, I got some, yeah, I got some great negative reviews. So, But I don't know <laughs> if I could do that and keep a straight face, so we might need a guest host. We'll see. Or a lot of alcohol. A lot about well, we've yeah. tried podcasting intoxicated and it didn't go well. One of us at least has to be sober to run the ship. Right. <laughs> so all right, as we bring this puppy home, David Boop, can you tell listeners how to find you? Uh so uh where I, I tend to be the most is Facebook, and you can find me at uh uh Facebook forward slash it's a forward slash um David uh, dot boop underscore uh, updates. David dot boop underscore uh, updates. And Twitter at David dot boop. And then um, David boop dot com will get you to me. And Longshot Productions, my company, uh, www.longshot productions.net is another place you can find me. All of that will be in the show notes. And for just a momentary clarification, his Facebook is facebook.com backslash dboop dot backslash backslash not forward slash backslash. Whatever makes you happy. I mean, they can try I'm dyslexic, ways. so it's all the same to me. Yeah. Well, we don't judge, but all of the contact information will be in the show notes. So <laughs> check them out. Well, the problem is I don't do slash fiction, so I always have a problem with it. Fair, fair. Uh, and we don't know what's on the other side of that slash. I mean, it could be all kinds of weird. Well, anyway. All right. So you can find us on Twitter at twitter.com backslash SF underscore fantasy underscore show. Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email us at blastersandbladespodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is blastersandbladespodcast at gmail.com. All the hate mail can go to weirdone at seska.com. That's her personal <laughs> website. Everything. We don't judge. You know, we just let her embrace her weirdness. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook. Stalk us over there where all the shenanigans happen. Facebook.com backslash groups backslash Blasters and Blades podcast. You could support the show on our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters tack and tack blades. Again, anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades where you have our website. But you can also support us with a Patreon style model of monthly subscription. Uh, all of that helps keep the light on. Now we've got to pay all our renewals because season two has started and they kind of want to get paid to keep this on the air. So every little bit you do helps. You can support the show also on our buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley. Again, buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley. Put a note in the comment section when you do that it's for the podcast and I promise I will keep Doc 
Seska and Nick Garber, duly intoxicated. They will drink until their liver surrenders. And good God, woman, are you got like crocheted handcuffs on or something? No. I'm playing with yarn. I mean, I'm just checking because, you know, that sort of looked in the miniature like you had made like yarn handcuffs and I was going to ask some questions. Like, it's not that kind of show, Doc. You're not that kind of lucky. Ooh. All right. Well, are you going to bring us home and tell us how you're going to get lucky with that booze? <laughs> uh, we, we broke her. Thank you for spending us for Nick Garber and the very tortured, very not lucky J.R. Hanley. I'm Suska. This was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week. Same time, same place, indulging our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, torturing JR, all things that go boom, and especially the pineapple on the pizzas. Not everyone can be right all the time. The rest of them oh, don't I am right. More often than you want to admit. No, pineapple does not belong on pizza. We will find guests. We will refute this. We will have the great showdown. I don't care what our guest says. This time, the guest is not always right. <laughs> JR, pineapple actually, is delicious. I actually know one person that wrote it into their book, uh, it was Choose Your Own Adventure, where eating the pineapple on pizza was an instant death move in their Pick Your, pick your Path fiction. You know what, JR? That's fine. Maybe it would be good for you. You never know. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. But at least it'll keep me alive not doing it because no instant death for me. <laughs>